Welcome, everybody, to FanStream Sports, powered by DSP Media. This is the Fighting Irish Daily Blitz, and I'm your host, Rob Fidoff, also known as RPT. You can find me on X at P. Fidoff. This is episode 112 of the Fighting Irish Daily Blitz. This will be the pit recap. But first things first, head over to our website at FanStreamSports.com for all additional podcast information. If you have an Apple device or an Android device, please feel free to download the FanStream Sports app and then head over to our Facebook page. Like that page. Additional content out there as well please feel free to share that with your friends and family. Notre Dame coming off a bye. Started out a little bit slow. Two interceptions by Sam Hartman. One, I thought could have been pass interference. And Rico Flores, he's a very talented freshman. But he's got to learn to fight for that ball a little bit better and sell a pass interference to the referee also. So the first interception I could get, I could, uh, I was, I don't want to say okay with that with Sam Hartman, but I didn't think that was all his fault. But the second interception he threw into triple coverage, two early interceptions, by Sam Hartman, but the defense, as they have been all year, give Notre Dame some short fields. We get a pick six, some special teams touchdowns, a dominating win over Pitt yesterday, 58-7. to We should feel good about this win. All facets of the game, special teams played well, the defense played well. The offense seemed to improve somewhat. That's still the weak link for this team, but let's take this with a grain of salt. This was Pitt. They are not a very good team at all. If we make those same mistakes against Clemson next week. And I know Clemson is struggling right now. They're not a very good football team. They're four and four. They lost to NC state yesterday and that game will be at Clemson real quick note there. That game will be at noon on ABC next week. I repeat noon on ABC, but if we make some of the mistakes we did or yesterday that we did against Pitt against Clemson, they're going to make us pay despite only being four and four this year. But again, let's feel good about this win, but there's still some some things we have to clean up because you can't make those mistakes against uh, better competition. And let's just put it bluntly, Pitt is just not a very good team. So I want to get, I'm going to do a little bit different this time. General stats, I'm not going to go into the individual stats. I may just let that slip about an individual's stats while I do this podcast, but I want to do the overall stats and then each scoring play, because as I said earlier, both special teams, defense, and the offense, all three scored yesterday. Uh, first downs, Notre Dame led 25 first downs to 11. Total yards, 535 for Notre Dame, finally getting back into that 500-yard range when we were playing lesser uh, lesser skilled opponents earlier in the year where we were averaging 500 yards a game. We got back to that yesterday with 535. Pitt only had 255. I believe about 75 of that was their was either their last possession or their second last possession. We more or less had our third string defense in there. Passing Notre Dame 380, 202 for Pitt. Rushing uh, 155 Notre Dame, 53 for Pitt. Penalties, that was an issue where I said earlier, some of these penalties we cannot have against Clemson or even Stanford. Stanford almost beat Washington last uh, last night. And Pitt, just not a very good team. You can get away with some of these penalties. Clemson, you're not going to get away with that. Uh, Six for 75, Notre Dame. Five for 45, Pitt. This is the big uh, stat of the game. We forced five turnovers uh, for Pitt. We had two, the two early interceptions by Sam Hartman. But we intercepted uh, Pitt four times yesterday, and we also recovered a fumble. Xavier Watts, he had two interceptions against USC uh, two weeks ago. He had another two interceptions yesterday. He's really, he has another year of eligibility uh, with Notre Dame. But the way he's playing right now, his draft stock draft stock uh, for the NFL draft is just rising and rising. Would love to have him back next year, but if he keeps playing this way, 
he's going to go to the NFL. Time of possession, 35-31 Notre Dame, 24-29 Pitts. So scoring plays. I'll go through this real quick, but I just wanted to show you how the how all three areas yesterday, special teams, defense, and the offense contributed to this win. Uh, we got those two early interceptions by Sam Hartman, but then Chris Tyree, who you got to feel great for this kid. I thought he was treated unfairly the previous three years, whether it was Brian Kelly or Tommy Reese. They just never really got him involved. He's a very talented kid, especially in open space. He had one of the greatest punt returns. I'll, I will repeat that. One of the greatest punt returns that I've seen probably since Rocket Ishmael or uh, Tim Brown. And those were one of the great or two of the greats at Notre Dame. Tim Brown won the Heisman in 1987. But Chris Tyree had that 82 yard punt return. He broke some tackles, made some dodgy moves here and there. And then you just saw his just blazing speed he has to separate from the pack there. Aldrich estimated a 15 yard run. Spencer Schrader, a 23 yard field goal, but he missed an a, a extra point yesterday. You can't, that's inexcusable. Uh, Jadarian Price, a 10-yard run. Jaden Mickey, he was uh, substituting for Benjamin Morrison yesterday. I believe he's a redshirt freshman. And he had dropped two interceptions prior to this, but he had a 43-yard interception return for a touchdown. Really feel happy for him. I don't know if anyone has heard, but his his mom has stage four uh, colon cancer right now. And he wrote a, I don't know if it was an essay or a book about that experience right now. As she is, he's pretty much in hospice care right now, but it's just a great story for Jaden Mickey and just a great play for him yesterday after dropping two interceptions. Also uh, Ramon Henderson, he recovered a, uh, a special team, a punt return fumble in the end zone. So that was the special teams touchdown that we had Aldrich Estime, who had three TDs yesterday, another three yard touchdown where he had a three yard touchdown run. And then after that, a five yard touchdown run, uh, Kanata month. Oh, that's Pitt when they scored their garbage touchdown. And then Cooper Flanagan, I believe he's a true freshman, a tight end, caught a 19-yard touchdown pass from Steve Angeli, our backup quarterback. It seems pretty much from fans and Notre Dame so-called experts that Kenny Minchie will take over the QB role next year, and then C.J. Carr will be waiting in the wings to take over for uh, Kenny Minchie. But don't count out Steve Angeli just yet. I know he's probably just a backup quarterback and very limited skills, but anytime I have seen, got tongue-tied there, Steve Angeli play, whether it was the spring game, will be two years this coming spring. And I know it's just the spring game. He led them on the game-winning drive for the spring game. Whenever he gets in, he impresses me. And he impresses not just me, but other people that know football a lot better than me. And just don't count him out yet. Yes, he'll probably just be a backup quarterback during his Notre Dame career. And let's say he graduates from Notre Dame. And then let's say he enters the transfer portal because Kenny and CJ are going to take over. That's great. But I'll just leave it at this right now. And I know this was 30 years ago, the last time Notre Dame won a big bowl and was truly in contention for a national title. Kevin McDougal was the starter that year. And for three previous seasons, he backed up Rick Meyer. And like yesterday, where it was a 58 to 7 win, where you see a lot of second and third string uh, players come in, that's the way it was during that time period. I know we had a that team kind of just had laid an egg, kind of like the way we laid, it, laid an egg against Louisville this year. Uh, that 92 team laid an egg in Stanford. That team, to me, probably could have won a national title also, but they didn't. But that was with Rick Meyer, Reggie Brooks, and Jerome Bettis. And once those guys got out of the game because they were up like leads like we had yesterday, Kevin McDougal would be the backup quarterback that came in. And he would always just do a solid job. And I always kept thinking, you know, 
why doesn't this guy possibly transfer? He, he's probably never going to play. With that next year, Ron Paulus, who was supposed to win two Heisman trophies, obviously that didn't happen, never came close. He breaks his arm. Kevin McDougal, the true senior, comes in. Notre Dame finishes that year 11-1. and one. That's where we lost that heartbreaker to Boston College. And that was probably the only so-called bad game that Kevin had. And when I say bad game, bad half of a game. He played a bad first half, but he led that great comeback in the second half. And then a piece Bursich makes that interception. We're probably national champions in 1993. But what I'm trying to make is, could Steve Angeli be a Kevin McDougal from 1993 if they just give him a chance to start? We, we'll see next year. If Kenny Minchie develop, develops pretty well and then C.J. Carr does as well, that's probably the future at QB and then Deuce Knight coming in in 2025. Steve Angeli probably stays a backup and then maybe he transfers after he graduates from Notre Dame. But I just want to say do not discount Steve Angeli right now. Uh, so what can I say? Dominated performance by Notre Dame. Uh, we had Benjamin Morrison out, uh, w- did not play uh, yesterday. Uh, I think they're pretty much uh, being precautious because Clemson is next week. Uh, he sat out, and then Cam Hart sat out the second half. He tweaked his elbow or something with his arm there. Uh, so, And I can't say enough about Chris Tyree. Great to see him really spark the team. Also had a hell of a catch uh, from Sam Hartman also. What else here? I'm trying to think. But here's the thing. Even though it was a great win and, you know, back in the win column after, you know, two wins in a row after that Louisville debacle, this team still has to stay focused. I know that that term is used very erratically and too much in uh, the sports world, but it truly is with this team right now. They're going into Clemson. Clemson, I don't care if they're 8-0 or 4-4. and it's always tough to beat Clemson at their place. And, you know, the yeah, Wake Forest the next week for Senior Day, that's Sam Hartman's former team. There's That's going to be an emotional game. And then Stanford, as I said earlier, they almost beat Washington last night. So this team, even though it was a dominating performance, there's so much work to do. And even when we were up by 40 points yesterday, this is what I liked about Marcus Freeman. Let me take a step back. One thing I didn't like about Marcus Freeman yesterday was – with when we took the 17 to uh 17 to zero halftime lead, we probably should have scored a touchdown during that possession. He lets the clock bleed from about 55 seconds to around 15. If he calls a timeout there, we have ample more opportunities to score a touchdown. I just didn't like milking the clock there. However, during the game, when we were up by around 40 points, we made a couple sloppy penalties. It was not going to impact the game at all. But he really chewed out his players and some of his coaches for that because, I, as I said before, you cannot make those penalties against a Clemson or even now a Stanford because they're playing a little bit better also. The better competition is going to take advantage of those mistakes that you make. So there's still some fine-tuning that we have to – you're never going to have a perfect game. But as good as the defense has played, they start to fine-tune. It's still a lot of the slant routes and over-the-middle type uh, passing from the opposing team – Pitt did have some success in uh, about two of their drives over the middle or those slant passes, similar to what Ohio State did to us. We shut Ohio State down pretty much 90% of that game except for one Travion Henderson big run, and then the ending drive where there was a fourth and nine, third and 19. You can stop a team 90% of the time, but when it counts, if you don't do it, that's the difference between a win and loss. So we just have to keep fine-tuning 
both are all three facets of the game, special teams, offense, and defense. My final point, and this is this is a big one right here. I said earlier, Sam Hartman had two earlier interceptions. Prior to those interceptions, he was moving the ball pretty well. Uh, he didn't throw the ball downfield as much as I wanted him to, except for uh, that uh, pass to Chris Tyree and then Tobias Merriweather got in uh, to the act as well later in the game. But I'm just hoping here that they haven't, how can I say this, zapped his confidence because he was looking really good early in the year and he's coming from a brand new system. He was in that mesh offense at Wake Forest. And for those of you that, and I'm not a football expert, but to me, it's more or less, you know how the option is for the Naval or the uh, uh, military academies where the quarterback holds the ball and then he pitches it and then they run the ball. This is similar to that where the quarterback holds the ball, they either hand it off or they pass it. So it's instead of running it, they pass it. And that's the offense he was at Wake Forest. And yes, he does have tons of experience, but it's a totally different system, totally different coaching staff. I'm just hoping they haven't soured his confidence because I still think Sam Hartman has a lot to give to this team. And the ideal situation is to finish 10 and two and have him lead us to a big bowl, New Year's six win storybook book ending for him, whether he makes it in the NFL or not, to lead us to a New Year's Six uh, Bowl win after 30 years of just misery of not winning a big bowl. But I want to compare this to uh, to a pop culture reference, the game show Pressure Luck. It was a, to me, the my m- most favorite game show, and I'm a big Price is Right fan when they had Bob Barker and all that, now it's Drew Carey. But to me, as a kid of the 80s, and even till now, because that show was from 1983 to 1986. My favorite game show ever was Pressure Luck. The host was Peter Tamarkin. Uh, he tragically died with his wife. I believe it was around 2005 or 2006. Uh, he was in retirement. They were taking medical supplies to kids in hospitals in third world countries, and the plane crashed, and they tragically died. But that was the greatest uh, game show to me, I don't know, the whammies. And now it's been, it brought, was brought back five years ago. This is the fifth season. It's brought back in 2019. So four years ago, but they've had five seasons. They just started the fifth one about two weeks ago. And the host is Elizabeth Banks. Beautiful woman. Great. I think she's a decent actress. She seems like a very nice woman. Uh, you know, very down to earth. Uh, however, her as a host for Pressure Luck, it's not awful. But it just it's just enough. If you watch, and I'm not ashamed to say this, I'm a, I'm a fan of the Pitch uh, Pitch Perfect movies. I think they had three of them. And I think Elizabeth directed the last one, Pitch Perfect 3. And she's kind of playing, when she's the host of Pressure Luck, she's pretty much playing that same character from Pitch Perfect, where she's kind of loud, she's shouting, and she doesn't have to do that. It's not awful, but Peter Tamarkin was much better, and I'm sure there's a much better game show host out there that would do a lot better job than what she does. However, it, it's such a popular game show in itself where it just kind of takes care of itself in the ratings. I mean, I'm still watching it. And I know they they tried to bring that uh, uh, pressure luck back. Uh, I believe it was the early 2000s. It was on the game show network. It was called Whammy. Awful, awful reboot of the game show. But with this one, they kind of just uh, stuck with the same format. They do have a a bonus round, which isn't too bad. But pretty much they kept with the basics and that more or less makes everything go. They probably wouldn't even need a host to tell you the truth. However, I just think they're thinking, okay, Elizabeth's not great. And if I was, 
if I was a fan of hers out in Hollywood, we probably would be friends. I think we'd get along pretty well, to put it bluntly. But I'd be telling her, stop trying to be the same character you are in Pitch Perfect. It's not working. It comes, it comes out a little bit annoying at times. You're shouting. Just kind of look from the uh, Peter Tamark and playbook. You don't have to be him, but make it your own. But at the same time, kind of learn from other game show hosts. I'm starting to think maybe this is the way the Notre Dame staff is treating Sam Hartman, where they're saying, hey, our special teams is improving. We're getting points there. Our defense is outstanding. Probably, It may be in my lifetime the best defense I've seen at Notre Dame. They're creating shorter fields. They're getting pick sixes. They're scoring for us. I mean, if you look at the USC game and uh, the game yesterday against Pitt, they made the offense, the offense's job so much easier because of the way they played. And I'm thinking pressure looks kind of the same way where, hey, she's not the greatest host, but the show sells itself. The Notre Dame coaching staff may be doing the same thing with Sam Hartman right now, saying all the other facets of our game are working pretty well. Let's let's not give him too much to handle. Keep it pretty safe, conservative. Let's not have him go downfield like he was earlier in the year. Do not do that. Let Sam be Sam. He was a gunslinger at Wake Forest pretty much with that mesh system. I think you're making him think way too much right now. He's lost some confidence. Let him sling it. Let him sling it because one of these games, the defense is not going to be on like they were. The special teams, it only takes a couple Spencer Schrader misses before this special teams gets a little bit wonky again. Sam's going to have to step up like he did against Duke at some point, I believe, in these next three games and then the bowl game. Let him be Sam. Let him not be the way pressure luck production staff is treating Elizabeth Banks right now. Let him be Sam. That's that's what I want to say. And first, I just want to make another point too. Maybe the thing is too, as I look at this here, I brought this up right before I started the podcast. I know he's a six-year senior and you think, oh, he's got experience. He should just know the system right away. He's a smart guy. Not so fast. Joe Burrow was a he, tra- he graduated from Ohio State. He had 33 pass attempts in his entire career at Ohio State. He goes to LSU. I think people always assume about the 2019 season, that the greatest offense in college football history uh, with Tim, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. I said Jamar Jefferson last week. It's Justin Jefferson. But people forget he came to LSU in 2018 and had an okay season before he blew up in 2019 and won the Heisman Trophy. So if you look at his 2018 stats, this is Joe Burrow. When he first got to LSU, he had 16 touchdowns, five interceptions, 2,894 yards. The next year, 60 touchdowns, six interceptions, 5,671 yards. Sam Hartman this year, so far he's got three games left, 2,126 yards, 18 touchdowns to five interceptions. He probably could have had about two more interceptions yesterday, but he didn't. So right now, his stats are very similar to what Joe Burrows were in 2018 before he just blew up in 2019. And I'm starting to think, if Sam Hartman just had one more year at Notre Dame, would that make a difference? Would he be putting up prolific numbers? We'll never know because Sam Sam cannot come back next year. This is it for him. He has no college eligibility after this year. But I just kind of thought of that yesterday, you know, I kept thinking maybe he's going to be like a Joe Burrow this year, but Joe needed one year in LSU to kind of get assimilated to a new offense. And then everything just struck gold in 2019. And uh, 
Who's to say if that wouldn't have happened to Sam Hartman if we would have him just one more year? We will never know. And here's another. Here's my last point also. This is why I say let Sam be Sam. Let him just gunsling it. He's thinking too much right now. I think the coaching staff has hindered his talent that he's had and just letting him be Sam because Sam's played six years as a college quarterback uh, in the NCAA. His coaches have not coached six years. Most of them, that is. Marcus Freeman, second year as a head coach. Uh, Coach Parker, this is his second truly full year being an offensive coordinator for a major college football program. So his coaches really do not have the experience right now. That's why I say, let Sam be Sam. Sam, Let it rip. Don't just micromanage. And I'm not saying they're micromanaging him like a Brian Kelly would. But just let Sam be Sam and not do a pressure luck thing where they're just letting Elizabeth Banks go through the motions when she could kind of tweak her material or just go with a new host. So I will digress there. Thank you so much for joining me for episode 112. And as always, go Irish. <laughs>